the 12 days of Podmas, we want to reflect on the the films of 2022 that we have not had the opportunity to cover. Uh, and by when I say that we haven't had the opportunity to cover them, I just mean that they came out before we uh, reinstated the Disney desk. And so we just kind of missed right, the boat right. on covering them when they were a little more relevant. Right, yeah, because we started, what, late July? Yeah. So, like, basically a whole half of the year of Disney stuff, we just didn't really get a chance to come around to. Right. And there was a couple big ones that we really wanted to talk about. Absolutely, because, you know, what you all probably don't realize, or maybe you do, is that, you know, the Disney desk continues even when we are not recording. We are in constant dialogue about everything that we watch and consume. Right, both Disney and non-Disney. Right. So... That would be funny, though, if we just refused to talk to each other about anything not Disney. Like, we yeah. were those kind of friends who had, like, one discussion point and just couldn't, yes. like, like, communicate outside of that. Like, men who, like, they cannot really have conversations with their friends or family if it's not football. Yeah. If we're not just naming <laughs> obscure mid-2000s to 90s Bills quarterbacks, yeah. um, it's just nothing. Right, exactly. They do not know how to socialize. <laughs> but it's but it's like right. our relationship is sort of inadvertently that. I mean, we talk about everything, but it's like, right. I wish I could see like a pie chart of the things that we talk about. Right, like the analytics stuff on our anchor. Right. Like, what do most of our conversations devolve into? Exactly. <laughs> we could do it by month and it's like, man, Carter just did not shut the fuck up about God of War this month, huh? <laughs> It definitely would show that, yeah. Okay, so right. what do we have to talk about? Um, 2022, I guess, slash a bit of 2021, right? Right. Basically, I feel like we're grandfathering in November and December of last year to exactly. make it a whole calendar year. Right. Does this whole thing kind of start with Encanto? Of at least of the things yes. that we are like in love with and won't shut up about to each other. Right, right. Um... I saw Encanto in theaters, and because that was, like, the first one of these animated things they've done that really felt like it got its legs on Disney+, Plus, I was just sitting here with a hot hand, like, man, people don't know how good this thing is. Like, people gotta see it. I had no idea that I would, like, fall in love with Encanto. I don't know what happened. I don't know what kind of headspace I was in at the time. But I did not have the chance to see it in theaters, and I saw it when it came out on Disney+. Plus. And oh my gosh, I just, I don't know, I was like, I can't believe there was ever a time in my life where I had not seen this movie, because <laughs> now it is right. like my identity. Do you know how annoying it was to know there's just like a masterpiece right. just chilling in the Disney space that like 99% of my friends didn't see? That would drive me and insane. Then you're live Facebook messaging me through it, and I'm like, yep. Oh yep, my god. I know. I know. And I've every, seen it. Now I've seen it three times. I'm remembering like what I was messaging you. And like th from the beginning of the movie, I was like, this is my favorite song. No, this is my favorite song. No, this is my favorite song. <laughs> like, and all this time I had no idea that Bruno was coming. Yes. Um, you know a funny story? An example of this in terms of like friends discovering it. As we were playing Fortnite, randomly Callum just starts singing. He's prone to just randomly humming or singing. He just starts singing Surface Pressure. Really? And I'm just like, oh, so you finally saw it. Wow. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, it's really good. And I'm like, yeah, it's almost like I told everyone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Every time I had a chance. That is but so funny. 
we were talking, I think we were talking about like the breaking of the mold. And I think like in terms of Disney animated stuff breaking the mold, this is a perfect example where it's simultaneously a classic Disney musical, but not. Right. And it just, it lives in its own little space that I almost don't know how to describe. Well, one, I was also going to say, it's the first one of these CGI musicals where I'm like, no, it earns, like, the stuff they do with the camera movement. Oh, I guess the it, like, camera gonna... work is incredible in this movie. Yes. I guess to shortly explain, like, the difference between CGI and 2D is, like, you have to make your own camera in 2D. Like, every drawing is a new perspective, whereas CGI, you have a digital camera you use, basically. You design the characters, you animate them in the space, and then you pick where the camera is. And, like, the movements, the slash cuts, the, like, we don't talk about Bruno's the best example of that. One, it's the best song, but also, like, as she's getting pulled from, like, family member to family member giving their side of the story, mm-hmm. I just cannot get over the transitions where um, Dolores spins her around, and then they do their dance bit. Right. And then uh, Camilo. Like, he spins around, and he, like, shapeshifts. Like, the stuff they do with the shape-shifting. Right. Oh, my... And and it's, like, in Kanto, for me, it's where Lin-Manuel Miranda really gets to shine, because it, it feels like watching a, a staged performance. Like, I think that's the essence that some of the camera work kind of takes on, that you do feel, like, just immersed in, like, a Broadway show. Right. I, I would say, yes, because it understands that, like... And we've talked about this, the Ashman principle of, like... Animation is just the most perfect form of a Broadway musical where it's like, oh, it can take an even more dreamlike quality when you add a camera and add transitions and movements and fade-ins and fade-outs. Right. Like, again, of all of, like, the big Disney musicals of the last decade, I'm like, if you're going to put one on the stage, I feel like it would be this because you would just, it would literally be like a play in a house. Right. 90% of the action takes place in one house. Right. And yeah. I love that. Like, I love how intimate it is. Yet at the same time, it's this epic about this incredible family with, like, generations of history in this town. Mm. Yeah. Like, like one of the most personable movie, like, personal movies Disney's ever made in that sense. And I do agree. It feels like Lynn getting to cut loose because, like, he was brought on to, he was brought on to um, uh, Moana early. But at the same mm. time, this feels like the one where they're like, all right, you're driving we this. We get what you're you do the creative and we vision want you to do the Hamilton thing, but here. Yes. And, you know, I also feel like Encanto is kind of the beginning of this new wave of Disney movies tackling, like, generational trauma and, and toxicity. <laughs> And like, right. like, that, like, like we're, we're yes. in this new era of like, like, we just want to talk about our relationship with our parents and the ways that it's it, failed. It is wild how like, and I mean this in a nice way, because I do think all of these movies are compelling, like, and we'll get to some of the other ones that follow in the same plot. It is weird how hive mind Hollywood writers can be sometimes, because there's that era where every villain was Steve Jobs. There's an era where every villain was like a Thanos eco-terrorist, where it's like, oh, the world would be much better if we just... Had no people. people. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny how they all, somehow, like, the mood in Hollywood is always, like, everyone's on the same, like... Like, Mercury's in retrograde or whatever for yeah. everyone at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> but, no. yeah. Uh, God. I Like, instant classic songs. Instant classic Amazing songs. These are songs. And, like, the movies that we're talking about today, the songs from these movies came up in my Spotify wrapped. And honestly... And that's all you need no to know. No shame. Yeah, that's all you need to know. 
What's next? Uh, do you want to talk about Luca? I, okay. I do feel shame about this. I have not seen Luca yet. <gasps> it has slipped right. under well, the radar. And okay. for me, like, it just got away from me and I never came back to it. But what do you have this to This is going to be a Luca? Sydney's never seen, but we're saving it for the spring. It's not a winter movie. Very much um, not, no. That much I understand. Luca, it's so funny because we are going to talk about Turning Red. And it almost feels like a Toy Story 2 Monsters, Inc. sort of thing where it's like, one is the big emotional drama one. This is like the big, like, oh, this is where we're going for your heartstrings. This is the epic one. This is the important one. Whereas Monsters, Inc. flies kind of under the radar. It's like the smaller one. It's the fun. It's the sillier one. Mm-hmm. It's the, like, but at the same time, it has so much heart and soul. It's mm. so, it's such a simple movie. It's literally a bunch of kids who, two of whom happen to be sea monsters, spending their summer on the shore and, like, you know, learning about themselves and becoming friends. Um, I'm trying not to say too much because I don't want to spoil the plot, right. but it's painfully vibrant and gorgeous. It follows the same art style. It has a similar art style to Turning Red, where, like, the characters have such an aesthetically pleasing look and everything's so colorful and cartoony. Um, it is an achingly sweet, earnest movie. Um, like, in that, in a very Turning Red sense, where it's like, the characters just talk like people. Like, they right. don't have that heightened, they have that heightened animation sense, but when it's time for the emotions to kick in, they talk like kids, mm-hmm. and it just hits you. And the ending had me sobbing. Like, the really? ending is, it's such a simple ending of two characters saying goodbye to each other, and yet it just leaves you like starry-eyed uh maybe the best animated dad ever and it's just like it's kind of the per- it's kind of like a perfect kids adventure movie um in terms of my spotify playlist there is one track that i always listen to called take me gravity and the sequence is like the two sea monster friends going like traveling to the local town for the first time and uh, Don Romer, he did um, Beasts of the Southern Wild, and he did an NYU short film that he was really, like, became a big deal. He's, like, as a composer, he uses, like, he's the master at capturing this feeling of, like, the most amazing adventures about to begin. Mm-hmm. Like, he uses French horns and these big banging drums, and, like, as the music picks up, you're just like, I've never been more excited or happier or felt more like something amazing is about to happen than when this song is playing just like these are the kind of movies i want pixar to be making right like this is the kind of energy these are the kind of stakes this is the kind of humanity i want to see from them again wow beautiful film yeah i absolutely have to see it yes i will bully you until i get my my demands are made gotcha okay turning red is it turning red time because this is my number one favorite actually yes I will say, Luca was like, oh yeah, Pixar's back on its feet. And then Turning Red is Pixar grabbing a folding chair and knocking you the <laughs> hell out. Um, you know, and I have to reference, like, we watched the announcement for this film uh, together, like, virtually. Oh, yeah. And it, this was one where they, like, they briefly gave the synopsis of this girl who turns into a red panda. And that was kind of all they had to say about it. And I remember us both being like, yep sign me up for that yes, please i'm in yeah I'm in. i know further questions your honor um i'll take it thank you this is what this is what i'm and from talking the about. jump i was all in on turning red and i had no clue that i would identify with it and be as in love with it but 
It's because, like, the girls, um, my and her friends, like, I was one of those girls. Like, that's, this is just, like, so much confirmation of, like, this is, like, a unique type of representation in that, like, I didn't know that I needed to see little girls in the 2000s. <laughs> right? Like, but again, we talk about movies that are, like, time capsules or, like, perfectly captured an era. This is an era that just hasn't been touched, and they just crush it. Right. They literally tear the net down. What I love about it is that it, it captures the truly unearned confidence of a middle schooler. What is it right? about being in middle school that makes you feel like you have your shit together? Because <laughs> um, puberty is hit, but in that, like, oh, I'm taller now. That's cool. Not in the... Oh, I have oh. a. I am experiencing the entire range of human emotion right now, and I don't have the coping I skills to fully lost, process any of it. I've lost total control of my body. Yeah, and I cannot do anything about it. I'm spiraling right now. Um, but yeah, and like I think again, it, this movie again, it's it's where I've wanted Pixar to be, where it's like capturing emotions and energies I didn't think I would see on film done well, like. Again, everyone's talked about the scene where her mom assumes she's having her first period, and it's like that just happened that like delightful. human a moment, right? Just play, and like played as a comedy scene, but played earnestly, right? Yeah, it's like something we haven't seen before, or even just like the little bits of like the kids being unnecessarily excited about seeing the guy who works at the convenience store, right? But it's like you know what? I'm glad that people are seeing just how much humor there is in like in Asian cultures and in, in, in Asian family dynamics, how, like, I'm glad that they're getting to tell their stories and we're seeing just how quirky and funny, like, yes. the uniqueness of Asian parents can really be. <laughs> yes. Well, that's my big thing. It's like, so this was directed by Dami Shi, who did Bao, which mm. um, was one of my least comfortable theater experiences because it was, like, when in Bao, when the mom eats her Bao kid, everyone starts laughing, and I'm like, look, I'm sorry Bizarre, you all please. apparently forgot how metaphors right. work. Uh, would it make sense to you if it was a cheeseburger right. or a gun in a... I almost got cancelled there. Yeah. Um, but, yes. Uh, yeah, it's like, this is desperately what Pixar is needed. New voices. Fresh air. More diverse voices, that's for right. sure, because as much as we love Pixar, it is a white boys club. Oh, 100%. So to have her come in and feel so fully formed as an artist and have such an earnest, sincere vision for a film, like, just, like, put her heart on her sleeve and just, in her first short film, <clears throat> in her first feature film, just put the hammer down and say, this is what I'm going to talk about. And this is, like, again, it feels like Pixar's new again. Yeah. And, of course, we cannot talk about Turning Red without referencing, like, my new favorite boy band, Four Town. And, first of all, I am a huge fan of, like, in-universe musicians that the characters right. are in love with and that I, like, fall in love with, like Ernesto de la Cruz, uh, yes. fucking Chip Skylark from, like, The Fairly Odd Parents. Like, anything. Oh, Anytime crap. there is, like, an in-universe pop star... I'm all over that. And they and they make a song that's actually kind of a bop. They make several songs. Like I the Turning Red songs, the, those like top three songs, those were on my Spotify rap this year of like my most listened to songs because I was a massive NSYNC fan. And this film, it's not only just like featuring a boy band, but it captures the entire camp 
of the like, like, like if there's a the female gaze, culture. like there is a there is a tweeny girl gaze, <laughs> and this film understands the tween girl gaze exactly and yes. delivers on on like why little girls love and sync and Backstreet Boys and all of them. <laughs> yes, and God, I will. There is never a sequence I will, like, in terms of sequences, that will always make me laugh. The awooga bit just knocks me <laughs> yeah, the hell out every single yeah. time. Where I'm like, yep, <laughs> this it. is a... Um, but, yeah, I... And I, like, if I were ever going to teach a class on screenwriting, I would reference this movie. The whole setup of Four Town, where they establish, like, oh, for the panda incantation, you don't really need to pick a specific song. It just oh. has to be earnest. And then the minute you see those guys stand up from the rubble, basically right. told, like, hey, we need you to save Toronto because this is going to get really bad yeah. really fast. And you, along with May, as May's, like, about to cry, you both at the same time realize what's about to happen. I'm just like, uh, that is a master class in setup and payoff for screenwriting. So, it is such a beautiful moment. Where you're like, it's so obvious that's what they're building up to. Right. But you just did not see it coming. And then they layer the song on top of, like, the chant that her grandmother is doing. And it's like, that that is the kind of filmmaking that blows my mind. That, like, the composer worked with, like, Phineas, as in, like, Billie Eilish Phineas, like, like her brother. Right. Like, that, that's the part about this is, like, they hired, like, a real, like, real pop musicians to come in and, like, create, like, real serious music and the fact that they made all of that sing together, it just makes you realize, like, oh, my God, they planned this whole thing. Like, people are really freaking yes. talented. It's devious. Yeah, it's just devious. And it's the thing where you're just sitting there watching the movie and you, like, it's like when Walt Disney watched To Kill a Mockingbird for the first time and allegedly said to his family, see, kids, that's the kind of movie I wish I could make. Where you're just <laughs> like, man, I will never be this smart or right. as witty <laughs> as the people who pieced this gem together. Right. Um. And I also think this and Luca, the the bit where she finds her mom as a kid again in like the sort of panda space, yeah. for lack of a better word, like how raw that scene gets in terms of like the voice acting. Yeah. Like it's genuinely unnerving because again, we talk about like in movies, people talk a certain way. Like they don't necessarily talk like humans do. Mm-hmm. They have like a heightened or enunciated way they talk. Right. So anytime you hear someone talk earnestly or talk about conflict and in like like hearing a person's voice crack just mm-hmm. oh it hits the it it just i like i like that we're letting animated films be more real yeah I agree. even as pixar is embracing a delightfully more cartoony style right right i mean i think both luca and turning red it's like pixar was the most guilty of pushing cgi as like oh let's try to achieve photorealism mm-hmm. and they're and with like spider-verse and such people are finally like no, 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 no. Like, CGI has useful tools. Right. What if we apply them to more cartoony stuff? And the result, rules. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, do you have any other films you want to cover? My mind is blanking. What else are we... Are we missing anything else? Um, those were the big three. Oh, right. I need to quickly reference Chip and Dale Rescue yeah. Rangers. Mm-hmm. Which, I desperately wish this movie was in theaters because this would have been like the surprise box office hit of the year in terms of people were dunking on the premise. People were like, this looks weird. What are they doing? Why are they trying to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And then the minute it came out, everyone, word of mouth was just like, yo, this thing's kind of tight. Right. And then like, I would have killed to see an entire movie theater react to Ugly Sonic 
being a prominent <laughs> character in a film. Yeah, this is, it really is the closest we've ever gotten to Roger Rabbit, where it's like, the reason why you can't make another Roger Rabbit is because studios are so precious of their IP, they would never share the toys. Mm -hmm. But to get Universal and Sega to be like, yeah, whatever, you can do an ugly Sonic. Right. Whatever, we'll don't, we'll laugh at ourselves. We need to Which use I guess this is a very Sonic energy. It. Yeah. Because like, the Sonic energy is like, I'm going to embrace the cringe now. I'm not going to right. let my cringe fans define me. Yeah, they've um, become one with the meme. But yes, like to have that, to have like an actual, like, I don't know. It, it, it's it's everything that's good about Roger Rabbit in terms of like an actual like detective, hard-boiled detective mystery that gets weirdly intense and is weirdly like cutting and jabbing. Mm -hmm. Like the entire subplot with the police chief is really funny. There's so many great subplots. And also how unhinged it is that a movie is centered around the idea that human traffickers are kidnapping tunes <gasps> and making them appear in bootleg movie, like Chinese bootleg knockoff versions oh of Disney movies. Disney being like, hey, if you make a ver if you mess with our copyright, you're yeah. a human trafficker. You're, you're right. bad. <laughs> Wild. Car like, wow. The, the the you know what it takes to oh my gosh. be like, yep, this is going to be the premise of our movie. <laughs> right. Deserves applause alone. Um, and I also did end up watching <clears throat> Disenchanted. And oh. we're, I feel like I feel like the first Enchanted, we've both said we haven't watched it, right? I haven't. Even though I weirdly like am familiar with the music in it, mm -hmm. I just yes. never got um, around to watching it. No. It, if, like, it feels like that'll be a we've both never seen at some point. Yeah. But... Um, I will say, one, another movie where I'm like, why wasn't this in theaters? It's like the perfect energy right now. It's the perfect scope and scale and budget. And I'll say, more than anything else, every now and then we need a reminder why certain movie stars are movie stars. Mm. Amy Adams is so goddamn good. Mm -hmm. It's it's criminal. Like, you shouldn't be this talented. You shouldn't be this funny. <laughs> right. You shouldn't also be able to sing. You shouldn't be able to do this much physical comedy. Right. And yet, it's also a weirdly sincere movie about, like, the struggles of, like, domestication. Mm. Like, there's just a scene without any music where they're trying to prepare for their day. The dad's going to be commuting for the first time to the city, and just everything's going wrong. And it's a weirdly sincere scene. <laughs> and I think that's what's, like, Disney at its best, even stuff like this that goes straight to Disney+, Plus. like, uh, when it wears its heart on its sleeve, it works. Right. Um, <clears throat> do you want to talk about... Doctor Strange and Thor, which were like the two big theatrical releases. Oh. We could save that for another time. But... I didn't particularly need to talk about those. Yeah, I feel like we'll eventually, I'll eventually do my Thor Love and Thunder is going to be remembered as a great Marvel film manifesto later. That would be good Patreon content, actually. Yes. You know, I'll barricade myself somewhere and the SWAT teams will be rolling in as I'm right. recording. And exactly. Like, Guys, it's just like Guardians 2. You didn't appreciate it at the time. Right. Ha, 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 ha.